This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means the great EJ Raddick, and I can't think of a better way to start your post-Super Bowl extravaganza than with somebody like EJ Raddick at that level because there's Tom Brady, there's Bill Russell, there's the Richards, there's Raddick. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean... I can always say from my standpoint, to be with someone like yourself, who is even like a greater of the greats, is uh, it's that uh, you're iconic, and so for me, it's a, it's really a bl- I feel it's a blessing, so <laughs> a godsend, a godsend, well, if you will. So well, after uh, we made ourselves yeah. and the audience feel uncomfortable, That's I guess. Right. We'll dive into hockey as we can get okay. right now officially into the other sports in the world. Now the football has come to an end, and 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 it might have gotten lost in the shuffle. Two things: I thought that was a great game between uh, the Capitals and the Flyers, just like a wide open, fun game yeah. that I thought was a great appetizer uh, to the Super Bowl. And what happened with Columbus and Carolina, and especially since it ends up being decided by a goal, uh, the Trocheck should it count? Should it not count? Offside. The handling of it by the league, it, it seemed like they tried to do a bunch of different things and nothing came out right. Um, why don't you just give us a synopsis of, of, of how you felt that whole thing went down yesterday afternoon? Well, I mean, just so the, the listeners understand what happened, it was there was a goal scored by the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets challenged it for offside. And indeed, it was offside. But the mechanics of how it worked, uh, between the officials and the uh, replay staff in the building and then the people in Toronto, um, there was a miscommunication um, by the guy, by the people in the building in terms of uh, the guy, one of the people in the building looked at it and said, that's a good goal. And apparently the official heard that and they decided, okay, it's a good goal. They just told us it's a good goal. We're good. We're moving on. So now, in the interim, because of the precautions in the COVID-19 era that we live in, like these headsets and things have to be cleaned. And when it went, was passed from one guy to the next guy, the next guy was on and it was like, oh, no, Toronto is like, they're saying, no, we got to look at this more. And like, we think it might be offside. But meanwhile, the game has started again. Right. And because of the offside challenge being uh, deemed, uh, you know, not good, I guess for lack of a better term, um, the, uh, the, the, they got a power play, a subsequent power play from that. And so once it was determined, once they were able to kind of get back on in sync and the Toronto people were able to get back in good connection with the people at the rink, it was just, you know, determined, yeah, it was offside, but now they've put the goal up. We've had time go off the clock. The other team has been on a power play. And, uh, you know, I believe we ended up in the intermission at that point. And right. so what happened was the, um, the league decided at that point that uh, because there was this miscalculation or miscommunication that they were going to take the rest of the penalty off the board to not penalize the Blue Jackets further moving forward. But the feeling was that they, you know, had no, there was no precedent for them to take the goal away. And I kind of agree with that decision because you then get into a slippery slope in games of mistakes that get made that you realize later. And then it can, when is, are you always going to take goals down now when these kind of things happen? And they don't happen a lot, but they happen. And they happen in all sports. 
I mean, fans were complaining about the officiating in the Super Bowl yesterday. Sure. Um, so at the end of the day, it was kind of a messy, murky situation that happened mostly because of that miscommunication and the, 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 the world we're in now where everything has to be cleaned and wiped down. And, like, that takes the physical time to do. And, uh, you know, the league kind of, you know, they, they tried to make it right at the end as best they could, but that's what it was. So it's kind of a mixed message, Johnny. I mean, it was like, you know, well, we took the penalty off, but right. we didn't take the goal off. Mm. And I'm sure people will have a lot of different feelings about that. For me, at the end of the day, I think they tried to make the best of a bad situation. And, uh, I do, you know, some will say, yeah, why not just take the goal down as well and go back in time and start from there? And which is what you could do. Right. If you do that, just remember, you're going to have to do it every time moving forward that something happens. And every time going forward something happens, you may not want to do that. So I think that's where they were at. Mistakes get made. In this case, the Jackets lost the game by one goal. Many people will point to that. Hey, that's the difference. I look at it differently because there was still 20 minutes to play. <laughs> and well, no, absolutely. have the ability to kind of change the sure. future. I mean, like, you don't want it to happen. But, again, we've seen bad calls in all of sports for all of our lives, and this was just a situation it's, that a review process right. that went bad. Well, there's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, like, all oh, because it was a one-goal game yeah. that that would decided it. But as you yeah. said, there's a whole period left to play, all right? But I, I guess my issue with it, EJ, is that it's also, it's also unprecedented to take the power play away. You know, so once That's you're correct. already going into that, into that, it's almost like you're half pregnant. It's like, well, either either just say, "Hey, dem's the breaks, and we're not going to do anything." That's just the way it's going to be. We screwed up. That's that's life. It happens in the NFL a lot, where they send the letter on Monday. We screwed up on that fumble that cost you the game. We apologize, but we're not going to go back in time. But once you take the penalty off the board, then why not just take the goal? And and chalk it up to COVID, right? Like, I, there are going to be certain situations where, yeah, we can't go back in time all the time. But in this particular situation, you know, this kind of makes the most sense. Like, I always hate that. Well, it's unprecedented. It's never been done before. Well, if that's the case, then nothing ever happens because there always has to be a first time for everything. And so I'm not going to kill the league for it. I get it. But I, I think they could have done a better job and, and and now they can hopefully learn from it and, and move forward on it so i just wanted to get your well, side I, of things I, I, yeah i would just add this donnie to that which is what you're saying is that like they didn't go back and start the clock at the two minute mark when the penalty was assessed and then take right. the whole penalty down and start from there they just tr- they just decided in the break to moving forward like hey we got it wrong we know we got it wrong um, there should have been a goal. There should have been a goal. There should have been a penalty. But right now, what we could do is just rescind the rest of the penalty, sure, and move forward that way. And then there's cases where guys, I've seen guys go in the penalty box for penalties and then get pulled out by officials after they discuss it. So um, this is very True. unusual. You're right. I think your your argument is 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 valid. The only thing I'll say about this whole thing about the precedent is that. You know, we, you go down a slippery slope, and there are unintended consequences of any decision. And I think this is why we're in this situation, is because of the unintended consequences of the offside challenge. At the time that we did it, at the time the league did it, they were of the mind, well, we wanted to use this for the egregious offside that, you know, somehow we missed. And we want to be able to make that right when a guy is a foot offside. We want to make that right. And in that discussion, the league, in the year prior to that rule going into existence, hockey operations looked at a lot of plays night after night, and they determined that, hey, 
there's not a lot of these plays that happen, and this will be okay. But in reality, there was no way to look at every entry as closely as you needed to to make the determination of how many of those happen in a game. And so the unintended consequence of that rule, which was to attempt to you know, to, to, to make right the egregious offside, we ended up in a right. circumstance where we're looking at like fractions of an inch well, and now a foot over a line. And, you know, so that's what I say when you say, well, it's just one time and you don't know. Well, see, <laughs> but this is the Pandora's I mean, box of replay, right? Yeah, I mean, we see it in yeah, baseball all yeah. the time, too. Baseball was not supposed to be about the fraction of an inch. It was supposed to erase the yeah. Don Dinkinger call from the 85 World Series, right? Yeah. That was an egregious yeah. mistake to be corrected, and now it's yeah. just gotten to the minutia. And as far as going back in time, I mean, we we do that with replay, right? Like you said, with we're going back in time yeah. with offside. We can have a goal scored that's not called, and you can have ten minutes of continuous right. play after that that gets completely that's wiped right. out yeah. when they review and say, "Oh, the goal yeah. did cross the line," even though there yeah. might have been a goal scored after that. All well, of that didn't that. happen. Yeah. We go back in time, so it's all kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to look at it. It wasn't ideal, obviously. (laughs) It wasn't a situation that the league, I'm sure, is going to, you know, uh, put as a post, like, this is the way we want to handle things moving forward. No, they don't. They want it to be able to check. Unfortunately, they have to check for these, like, little minor offside plays because offside is a black and white rule, and that's where we're at now. And so they have to check for it. And in this case, um, it just, the, the process went bad. Now, they've done this process a million times. And we may not always agree with what they come up with, but in the end, they don't have a, They haven't had a situation like this, to my knowledge, no. since they've started replay. And you would probably know better than me because you know you're doing games where these things happen all the time. I've never seen this. Never seen before. it. Never, ne- yeah, and, and listen, it's a relatively and, new phenomenon over the last three, four years that they've instituted this rule. But and also too, EJ, we did NHL live together for years where fans did nothing but complain, right? Every, every time we went to an email oh, yeah. or a phone call, yeah. fans complained. Yeah. You know, I, we've been both been in this business. We've all talked to fans, and fans complain about the officiating, complain about the sport, complain about the rules. Yep. I never heard anybody ever, correct me if I'm wrong, ever say we should institute a replay for offside. Like, I, it came out of nowhere. I never heard, I never heard never anybody heard ever never talk heard about it, and now it's all of a sudden a rule. Nope. Well, you know what happened to me, Don? And, I, you know, I remember there was a, a, a Kings-Blackhawks playoff game. It was a great game. It might have been game seven. But Jeff Carter in was on the goal for the Kings when you watched it. I, it might have been in 14. It was somewhere in there. But that, was a, but that, didn't, even, that didn't even deter. What happened was it happened with, Canadian, with a Canadian team. It happened with the Montreal Canadiens. And there was egregious offside in a playoff game, and I forget all the circumstances. I'd have to go look it up. It might have been against Tampa, but I, again, I'm not. It, my memory is foggy on this now. But the reality is this: when it happens, and I'll stand by this: when it happens in Canada, when right. it happens to the Canadians or the Leafs, and it's right, and and hockey operations is where in Toronto. in Toronto. I mean, like these kind of things, like have more of an impact. They hit home more right. because that's just that's reality. It's in Canada. Canada is the hockey is viewed a lot differently in Canada. The hockey op people are right there. There's more noise about it. It's not to say that when things happen, you know, in with the other 24 teams in the National Hockey League that they don't do anything about it. It's just that there's. It seems like it has. It 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 becomes more of a story. I know. And when but... that became the story, that's that was the impetus 
for the idea of, hey, maybe we need to institute a way to just make sure that the egregious offside, when the guy's offside by three feet and somehow we missed it, we can go back and look at. And yeah. I said, like I said, the league looked at, in good faith, play a hockey operations for the next season, watched games, and they were like, hey, this doesn't really happen that often. Because you would have to literally study every zone entry on every like on on every really every play if you're gonna if you're really gonna determine how often it happens, and it's just an indication of the game is traveling at a really high speed, and the linesmen while they get it right ninety nine percent of the time they don't get it right all the time, and the play is a is a bang bang play at the blue line all the time, and it's a, it's a, it's you know fractions of an it's... inch. So they in their due diligence they just they did, like quite frankly, they didn't do enough due diligence. They almost should have, if they were thinking about that rule, what they should have done is, you know, in retrospect now, because I can't say I would have said this at the time, but in retrospect, they should have had a, a, like a panel of people that just, that's all they did for the whole season was watch entries and try to determine how many were, you know, how what we were looking at here. And to his credit, the commissioner, at the time when this was being discussed, we talked about this very thing. He said, "You know, you got to be careful. You may be opening up a little bit of a uh, of a uh, uh, you know of a Pandora's box." And in the end, he was proven to be right about that. That's so, so true. Uh, you know, but once you do it, but once you do it, I like, know. you can't go back now and say, "You know what? Just because we don't like the fact that some are missed, you know, we can't now just put our head in the sand." It's just the reality of the circumstance. And, and, so, and um, I was a big crazy. advocate of making a delay a game penalty for getting it wrong. But the problem you is, are. and just yes, from my are. side, working with the Rangers, you know, Jerry Deneen, who's the video coach, is outstanding. If the Rangers are going to challenge, then they're going to win the challenge because that's how good they are at looking at the video and saying, we're going to win this or lose this. So when it gets, so that really doesn't discourage it because they're so good, these, these video coaches looking at the replay, they're not going to challenge it unless they're 100% sure. Now, occasionally they end up yeah. being wrong, especially in desperate situations, but it's still, it delays it for a long time, saps the energy in the crowd. Now you have goal. It almost reminds me of the the foot, the, the skate in the crease where a goal scored and you celebrate, but oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it can't, you know, there was a rush or there might have been a rush you know, two minutes before then where they gained access to the zone. And it, it just, uh, there's a part of me, EJ, hey. that wishes we just get rid of replay altogether. As useful as it is, sometimes we went we went a century without it bothering anybody. I just wish that maybe yeah, we can go back yeah. in time and just go back to where things were in the dark ages. And, and listen, let me just give you this to follow up because while we've been talking here, I went and looked it up. It was Montreal Canadiens at home at the Bell Center against the Tampa Bay Lightning in, I believe it was game, it's game one of the playoffs in 2015. May 2nd, for fans who want to get really specific. Okay. And in that game, there was a goal where the Lightning were offside. I believe the game ended up going overtime. But, like, that was one that created a little bit of uh, a stir. And, uh, you know, you know, and like Michelle Terrian is the coach of the Canadiens at that time, and I'm just reading off the story now as I look back. He said, you know, offside is black and white. Unlike penalties, which your judgment calls. Losing a game on an offside, those things are not supposed to happen. So, like, this is what was being said after the game by the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And so in a playoffs, in a game in Montreal, that's going to that's gonna get people thinking at the, at the league office, just because that's what I've seen in my whole career. If that happens, you know, in Dallas on a Tuesday night during the regular season in the game between the Coyotes and the Stars, 
I don't know if it's going to generate as much buzz or interest at the at the at the league office in Toronto. But because it happens in a playoff game and it happens at the Bell Center, it's going to generate a little bit more interest. And that was to me when we really started hearing about the idea of using replay to mitigate against these type of things. And it was with the idea that like, hey, when they're obvious, we should be able to go back and do it. But the yeah. problem is, as we've come to learn, is they're not always so obvious. Yeah, well, that was a yeah. spirited discussion yeah. for sure, and I think uh, we'll, we'll continue yes, with was. that. Yes, it um, was. It was. Is uh, Travis Green in trouble? Well, I mean, I have to think so. I mean, he's at the end of his contract, and his team is playing lousy, and it's a team I really liked last year a lot. And, yeah, they were great in the bubble. You know, a couple. Uh, yeah, they were. They were, but, you know, they had Marks from there, and that was a big plus. And they had some other players that they've had to let go. And, you know, Jim Benning, the GM, I think he's done a terrific job rebuilding that thing over the last several years and also rebuilding it around aging star players that were you were not going to move. You know, the Sedin twins were part of – were there during this rebuild where he was drafting and trying to find newer players. So it was a tricky rebuild. They weren't trading them for draft picks, you know, and for prospects. And I think he's done a really good job. Now, he was – up against it this year in terms of what he was going to do with his goaltending and with some other position players because he's got a, you know he's got a bunch of really talented young players in his group there so he just felt like hey Demko was ready we had drafted him he played well in the bubble when we needed him to we'll go out and we'll sign a, a veteran guy it turned out to be Braden Holpe to come in as a two we'll fortify the position that way and you know we will move forward, and we'll be able to have more cap room to pay the Quinn Uses and the Elias Pettersson. And you know, in the end, when you talk to the, you know, the the really, uh, you know, the the guys who do the deep dives into analytics, they talk about you know, the, you know, high end scoring chances and high danger scoring chances. That oh my god, that Markstrom was a big difference maker yeah. for them last year, and. Uh, you know, so that losing him, even though I don't think that Demko and Holpe are, are, are bad. I think those guys are fine. I think the bigger problem is that this team, you know, on defense, they lost a couple of players back there. We're just thinking Tanev is out of there now. And, they, you know, they have Nate Schmidt and they have uh, Quinn Hughes, who are kind of smaller, puck-moving guys, you know, and they don't have those guys that the complementary pieces to be alongside of them to help those guys be successful. So you have... A little less, you know, the safety net of great goaltending is now a little less of a safety net, so you're giving up the odd goals there. You already kind of play a fast and loose game on defense, so you're still giving up chances. You're getting behind in games, and people get beat up in those situations. I mean, guys just get worn down. This team has played the most games, I think, in the NHL right now. So, you know, for me, you know, you add all those things together. They played 15 games. That's more than anybody else right now. You add all those things together, and it's a real mess. And, and then Travis Green is in the final year of his contract. So, um, they're six and nine. They're kind of they're not out of it. Um, they've beaten some good teams. They've beaten Montreal once in a shootout. They've beaten Edmonton. They've beaten Calgary. So I just think that you know they've got to look at their group and try to figure out better ways to go about their game plan based on the personnel they have right now. So it's uh, it's going to be a challenge um, because boy, you know they just seem when they lose, boy, they get beat up in these games. They've given up far more goals than anyone else, given up sixty goals. So uh, they've got to figure that out. Yeah, for, and the, uh, Hockey Nine Canada outlined where they're like almost dead last in every defensive category 
with the exception of the cycle, which they were like 11th. (laughs) I don't know what what that means, but, you know, uh, uh, like in in the rush, defensive zone, like everything just, it's really been. When they get into the zone, I guess, I I mean, listen, it's just been a struggle for them. And it's it's really amazing because, like I said, I really enjoyed watching them last year. They were a fun team to watch, and they have some some really high-end personnel in their group. And yet it's just – it's been a defensive nightmare mm-hmm. for them so far this year. There's no question about that. You know, before we get to the tweets, you know, when you look at Tom Brady, seven Super Bowls, and and so he's being compared to the Bill Russells and you know the Henri and Rocket Richard and all you know Yogi yeah. Berra, Yogi all the guys Berra. that won a bunch of championships. Yeah. But that's kind of unfair yeah. because you know you go back to the original six year, you go back to the Celtics dynasty of you know ten championships in eleven yeah. years or whatever. Sport was much different. Fewer teams. Fewer yeah. teams, yeah. right? Fewer teams, yeah. fewer rounds. You know. Um, you know, baseball, you you won your league and you were instantly in the World Series. And, you know, now you got so many different rounds. So what, what impresses me about Brady is it's happening at a time where they've got a cap. There's not supposed to be dynasties. You're not supposed to win all the time. He's done it with a second team. So if you go over the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years from hockey, like who would be in Brady's category? Would it be Messier? Would there be anybody yeah. else Messier besides Messier? Messier? Messier is the name that comes right to mind immediately because he was able to uh, win multiple cups with one team and then leave that team and go somewhere else and then win. Uh, and it was a team that had not won in a long time, right? Like Tampa had been, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not, were not viewed as an NFL power. No. So, um, you know, so I would think Messier is the one that comes to mind for me immediately as someone that was a great player that had kind of the hardware of being a great player and then also won multiple championships. Like a guy like Joe Newendike, for example, won cups with three different franchises. Someone like uh, Claude Lemieux won multiple won multiple cups with a couple of different franchises, right? He won with the Devils, he won with the Canadians, he won with the Avalanche. So there's guys like that, but I don't know if they rise to the level mm. Of a Messier, no. The, 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 how, somebody who's been a league MVP and that type of player. You know? How about this guy? I wouldn't put him in Messier's category, but I think he'd be right there, a rung below. Would be Niedermeyer. Yeah. Right. Three yeah. championships yeah. for the That's Devils. Right. Goes to Anaheim. Yeah. You know what? Yep. Yep. You and know, it wasn't like he was a role player. That, I mean, he was significant to all four yeah, of the cups no. he won. No, he was a winner at every level of everything he's ever done in the sport. I mean, world championships, world juniors, Olympics. I mean, he's done just about everything, and he's been a driving influence on all those teams. And it's really kind of a testimony to the fact that he's such a low-key guy that, you know, we go through several names before we think of him. But, you know, he would be right there as well. I mean, he was a a great, great player that, uh, you know, that he was able to do in two different places. And it was really thrilling for him to go to – Anaheim and win with his brother. That yeah. was one of the biggest reasons he went there was to play with Robbie and uh, teams with Chris Pronger on you know one of the great defensive units. When you think about having a Pronger and a Niedermeyer on the same team, you know it's really no surprise they would have won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, right. That's absolutely true. <laughs> That's, uh, you don't see that every day for sure. Those are two of the all-time great defensemen. They might be two of the top ten defensemen ever to play in the National Hockey League, and they were on the same team at the same time. So. Um. Looking at the tweets, I'm seeing we addressed a lot of the conversation already, so let me see if I can kind of change it up here with Giancarlo, who says, in honor of the Rangers wearing Lady Liberty uh, against the Caps, which reverse retro jerseys are your personal favorites? I'll start with you. Yeah, you 
You know, what's funny is that uh, we've been kind of watching this on our show on NHL Live, or excuse me, NHL uh, Now during the days, and uh, so they've been unfold, they've been unveiled like, you know, kind of day to day. And uh, I really love the Dallas Stars blackout jerseys, and they sent us, they sent my co-host Jackie Redman and myself each one of those because we were singing their praises. They're just so different. I mean, they're kind of that neon green uh, lettering and, right. and logo. So I like that. I love the Minnesota Wild jersey. Mm. I mean, I just think that's just a beautiful, beautiful that's jersey. I love it even more from, like, the back of the jersey with the big gold numbers and names and, uh, you know, uh, more so than with the Wild logo on the front, although, it's, you know, it's fine. But uh, I, I just love that jersey. There's a lot of them, Donnie, I like. I mean, I just like the colors coming yeah. back into our game because, you know, when I was a kid growing up, and I'm sure for the same with you, we had those colors. We had bright colors, you know, for teams. And then, you know, we went through that era where everybody wanted to wear black and silver. You know, like, they right? The Jerry Glanville, third, third, third everybody got that. It was intimidating. Yeah, were, you know, yeah like the, yeah, the Kings like had that black and silver jersey when Gretz was there. And then a lot of teams all, you know, a lot of teams ended up having like a third jersey that was black, which was, you know, again, it's a nice look. But you know, hockey is a game that it's, it's against the background of the white ice. It's a game that, you know, it's vibrant. And with different colors, I think it's great to have, like, you know, bright red, Calgary with the bright red jerseys. And, like, Edmonton had the whites with the, with the orange and the orange pants. I thought they were terrific. And uh, it's just nice to see those, those kind of really bold colors again. So I like a bunch of them. And, I, you know, the Ranger jersey, I like the gray kind. Of, even though it's not great for the broadcaster, some of these no. jerseys are really hard on the broadcasters, as you as you know. I don't have to tell you that. Well, the Leafs but are the worst. I like kind of... Yeah, the Leafs were very bad. There's no question. But the, I like the Rangers gray kind of outlining of the numbers there on the back of that jersey. That's a little bit of a different look than the old Lady Liberty jersey. It's a little mm. different take on the same idea. So uh, I kind of thought that was was pretty nice. So uh, I look forward to more of them. I think the Avalanche are going to wear like a Nordiques. Yes, I, I, they haven't worn it yet, but I, I did off. see it. That that's one of my favorites too. That's gonna be that's gonna be off the that's gonna be off the chain. I mean, come on. I mean, that's you know that's gonna be crazy to see that thing back in in action. In the yeah, NHL. that's gonna be awesome. So, yeah. So there's more of the Kings. We actually had a nice one. I saw. I mean, all a lot of these teams. They're all I think they're just interesting. They're different. They're fun. Yeah, and I know nobody cares, but broadcasters should have a little bit of a say because some yeah, some of these well, just especially yeah, now that you're calling games off the monitor, it just it's so oh, difficult to pick up these numbers. Brutal. Yeah, so that's a tough. You know, that that is something I think for the benefit. That's why I like I like the Wild jersey and kind of like I like the Dallas jersey is because uh, you really can see the numbers and everything. It's well, Dallas jersey. It's just crazy. The numbers are, are like that kind of neon lime green so you know so it's hard to miss those numbers but it's hard you're right and i think for fans at home forget about the broadcasters i mean we're selling this game right and if for fans at home are watching a fast-paced game and they can't figure out who has the puck or or who guys are that's that's problematic to me well yeah that's 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 the the point is that you have announcers for a reason they want to be able to pick up the who's who's doing what and yeah it's just you know, between that hey, and, and the fact that they keep... Through the uh, announcers. Through the announcers, oh, you guys, you're complaining. I'm talking about the fans. Fans are watching. They might even turn the sound down. Wow. They you know, I, I, and maybe, maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what you should do. You know, so but, but since I'm in the mood to complain, you know, that some of these arenas are like moving where I'm parallel to the goal line. 
So that kind of makes it difficult yeah. to call yeah. the game, but whatever. Yeah. I'm still no, getting hard. in for free. No question with... That's true. That's true. And it's, but it, you're right. I mean, you guys have a job to do, and it would be. And, and again, I go back to this. Even if you don't care about that, a fan watching the game needs to be able to identify the players on television. No, there's Especially no question. Especially in an age now where fans can't go to the games. Hmm. You know, so. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's true. I, hey, and and they're really relying upon the broadcast. Here's my little bone to pick about things is like, why are we playing in a world where we now, everything is digital basically now because. You know, we're no fans in the building. Why are we playing eight games at seven oh eight? Like, why aren't we playing a game at six fifty, a game at seven, a game at seven ten, a game at seven twenty? Like, why aren't we staggering these games? So, like, for fans who have the access to every game, for the most part, if they want it, you get eight games in intermission at the same time at seven forty five. No, you know it's 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 it's, a fa- it's a, and I don't know what it is, EJ. Whether it's just Murphy's law or whatever, you know. Because for whatever reason, like here in New York, the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils, you know, might all be playing at seven o'clock, and it's crazy. Like exactly. when you're trying to flip around, they're all in commercial at the same time. Like how can all the games all That's be right. at the same pace? So yes. you don't get to see anything. Yeah. And 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 I think there are a lot of people. You're, you you are absolutely right. There's no reason that it has to start at seven o eight when you don't have any fans in there. Start it at six fifty or yeah. or whatever. Stagger maybe right. maybe fifteen minutes later just to yeah. stagger it so that it, yep. if you've got three games and they're all one goal games now. I mean there was a there was a I yeah. guess it was a couple of weeks ago where like every game in the East either was in overtime or the shootout, right? Yeah. And so yep. you want to see the end of these games. You'd like to see the overtimes yeah, and if they're right. all overlapping each other yeah. then then it, that yeah. takes the fun out. It's a great yeah. point. Yeah, well, I mean, we, it's, you know, when we get fans back in buildings, which we will hopefully very soon, but in, until we do, and it's a made-for-TV event, I mean, I heck, I don't even mind. They start some of these games at 5.30 in the afternoon. They start at a couple or 6 o'clock. Why not? Most people are, you know, listen, I know a lot of people still work and still travel, and there's, you know, it's not, it's not an all, you know, one-size-fits-all kind of thing. But, like, in a world where a lot of people are working at home now, where people are available maybe to watch a game that starts at 6 o'clock, in a world also where people can bet on that game. Now you're bringing in people that maybe not going to watch a game, a hockey game, but now all of a sudden, hey, there's a live sporting event at 6 o'clock or 5.30. Oh, who's playing? Oh, okay, maybe I'll oh, I'm not going to bet this game. Now all of a sudden you're watching a game that you would have never watched under any other circumstances. So it's just another way yeah. to try to sell the game and get more fans involved. Um we're up against it, so there's a lot of tweets we didn't get okay. to. We'll get them later in the week. But there's one more I wanted to get to here, and it's from Troy, okay. who says, would you like to see the NHL keep these back-to-back games in the same city when we resume at 82-game schedule? Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's you know it probably saves you some travel. It creates a little uh, animosity between the players uh, you know, and the teams when they're going in a second of a back-to-back. So, I mean, I think that's one that the players associate the Players Association in the league should discuss and see if there's you know common ground on to, mm-hmm. as to whether it makes sense moving forward. But uh, you know I think certainly again you can go into a city and you play the two games and you know you're saving on you know having to have a second trip in there and a, you know yeah, flight and all get it out of the way that come with that. So I think that you know logistically from a financial standpoint it makes some sense and I think that fans. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to have it like this year because you're going to go back to a schedule where you're playing everybody. So you're not going to be playing, you know, the Rangers and the Islanders aren't going to play eight times and the in Canada where they're playing nine or ten times against each other. So it's a different scenario. But, 
you know, there are situations divisional teams play each other more. You know, maybe it makes yeah, well, sense. It, it, you, know, so, you know where it could be helpful? In the soon-to-be returning Atlantic, where you've got Tampa and Florida, you know, traveling to, like, Montreal yeah. and Ottawa and, 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 yeah. and Toronto. True. Well, that's pretty. That's exactly. a pretty decent de- distance, right? So why not get their two road games in Montreal on a on a Saturday or Sunday, and and then they, and then they're done. Cut down on the travel for them. Like like, like in the Metropolitan yeah, Division, doesn't matter. Everything's like really close. But in that division, where like Detroit's kind of off the beaten path to two Florida teams or or the Canadian teams, that 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 might work. Yeah, no, and you're right. In the West too, with like you know Arizona. Dallas, Vancouver, yeah. or Edmonton, or Calgary. I mean, so they listen. There's again. I think that the the league and the players' association they need to know if it works for them because you know really if you're going to do it, it has to make sense mm. for them on all levels. Yeah. And if it does, I don't have a problem with and, it. And, I mean, and it's, it's, it's like, definitely interesting. And it can be tough. Like like Dallas is a place where the Mavericks also play there. So can they have two straight yeah. days? to play hockey yeah. when you have other things going on, when concerts come back and the the NBA team yeah. plays there. It might be very difficult to have like Madison Square yeah. Garden available back-to-back nights for hockey when the Knicks are there and Fish yeah. comes to town and Billy yeah. Joel's playing. and yeah. you know, So the, yeah. some arenas, it might be very, very difficult, but I would think of like a place like Montreal where it's only the hockey team. Yeah. As far as sports are concerned, yeah. they might be able to work that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, all these things that we're seeing now that are different, they're all they're all worth considering as to whether they would work in a in a nor, in a more normal situation. Right. Here's the thing: is there money to be made from it? Then it's got a shot. That's there you go. There you go. <laughs> that tells me you're better. You're an experienced man. That's, been around <laughs> That's <a while>. right. <laughs> but uh, man, exactly. it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for this, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you, Donnie. Always always enjoy my chats with you, and uh, have a great week, and we'll do it again soon. You got it. All right, well, that's uh, the great EJ Raddick. Always fun to talk to him and kind of get uh, to as much as we can. We've got a bunch of games tonight, six in all. No postponements, which are nice. At 7 o'clock, Rangers and Islanders renew their rivalry, third meeting uh, this year between the two teams. Um, and all three of them at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets will do it again tonight. Senators and the Oilers. And it looks like Mike Smith is going to make his debut with the Oilers for this season coming back from injury. Uh, Canucks and the Maple Leafs again. I bet the over in that. Uh, at 8 o'clock, the Lightning and the Predators from Nashville. And also at 8 o'clock, the Coyotes and the Blues from St. Louis. All right, here's the situation. Usually we'd come back and do this on Wednesday. But Wednesday, I'm excited. I'm going to be calling the Ranger-Bruin game. And it's going to be at Madison Square Garden. It's going to be the first time I'm going to be at Madison Square Garden in over 11 months. The last time I was there was March 7th, the last home game for the Rangers before uh, the pandemic hit. So uh, there's testing I got to go through and all that. So it's going to be really difficult to do it on Wednesday. So when we come back on Thursday, we'll have lots to recap and get into on Thursday. That's when we'll return. So if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Sorry we didn't get to a lot of the tweets, but we're up against it. We will talk to you again on Thursday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.